the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. That's the kind of father Abram had. Abram did not have a righteous man for a father. He had a man named after a goat demon. He had a father who was enticed in the journey to move to a place which was full of compromise. He was not a righteous man. That's Pastor Michael Oxentanko, and this is Reaching Your Heart. Here at Reaching Your Heart, we believe that God answers prayer. If you need prayer, please call us today at 888-244-HOPE. That's 888-244-4673. Stay tuned at the end of today's broadcast. I'll have information on how you can attend the worship service in person if you would like. You can also attend anytime online at reachinghearts.org slash video. That's reachinghearts.org slash video. Previous messages are archived there along with the actual live broadcast at the time it happens. And we hope that you'll join us. Again, remember that phone number. It's 888-244-HOPE. Last time we were together, we brought you the first portion of the Genesis journey. We will complete that message here today. And remember, if you have any questions about this broadcast, you can go to reachingyourheart.com. Here is Pastor Michael Oxentenko. The name Terah is most likely taken from a word meaning a mountain goat or ibex. In Ur of the Chaldees, goats were worshipped as gods. Dr. Woolsey, in his famous excavation of the royal tombs of Ur, found a beautiful golden idol that looked like a mountain goat with wings standing over the tree of life. And so the name Terah was not a name fashioned after the creator God. It was a name that drew attention to something like this idol. And it's no accident that the image of a goat has come down in modern times to represent Satan in the modern occult. So Terah was not a good name. Terah was not named after the truth of God or anything of the like. Terah was named after a goat demon, so to speak. Terah's name is also significant in Numbers 33:27 because it is the 24th campsite for Israel on their way to the promised land. They camped 42 times in Numbers 33. Number 24, right in the middle of their camping cycle, is Terah. That's the name of the spot. And so Terah represents a delay or tarrying place in the heart of a wilderness. He represents compromise with evil that is hard to overcome before you get to the promised land. Terah is a stationary kind of word. In the Genesis account, Terah set out for Canaan before God called Abram to journey to the promised land. Genesis 9.25, Canaan is the first family in the Bible to be cursed. Now think about that. There's a reason for that. It's the first nation in the history of the world to cross the line of no return, to become so corrupt that divine judgment steps in and says, no more of this. So Canaan was famous for gross immorality on a scale that is unimaginable. Canaan was a land where children were sacrificed freely to gain favor with the gods. Canaan was sin city, Las Vegas in the ancient world. And so Terah wanted to go to the land of Canaan without the call of God. 
It's obvious what he wants. He doesn't want to go to a promised land because God has not spoken to him. He wants to go to Sin City, live it up, and to get into that culture of paganism and to just lose himself in carnality. Canaan was the most evil spot on planet Earth. It was where Terah wanted to live. In the scripture, there is no evidence that Terah is a good man that desired a good environment for his family. Now, have you ever thought about that? That's the kind of father Abram had. Abram did not have a righteous man for a father. He had a man named after a goat demon. He had a father who was enticed in the journey to move to a place which was full of compromise. He was not a righteous man. Now, in Genesis eleven twenty six, 26, Terah was 70 years old when Abram was born. The Bible says when Terah had lived 70 years, he became the father of Abram, Nahor, and Haran. Now, the first usage of the number 70 is found in Genesis 5, 12. So let's just take our Bibles and quickly look at that together. It says, when Kenan had lived 70 years, he became the father of Mahalalel. Kind of a long, drawn-out name. Mahalalel means the praise of God. So the first time we find the number 70 in the Bible, we find a man's name, which means praise of God. Now, in Genesis 10, when you look at the genealogy, you start doing the number counting there, the first nation, the second nation, the third nation, so on, you count all the nations that came out of Noah, you will discover that there were 70 nations that came from Noah. So somehow, this number 70, which means the praise of God, Mahalalel, associated with that, has something to do with a divine blessing for the human race. In Genesis 50, verse 3, we find the number 70 again. Here we have Jacob who is the grandson of Abram. He's being buried in the promised land, and the Egyptians are mourning for him 70 days. At the end of the book of Genesis, the number 70 is very important. On the way to the promised land, we find the children of Israel as they go, according to Genesis 46, 26, and 27, that when they do the number count for all the children of Jacob, there are exactly 70 children that go from Canaan into Egypt to start the nation of Israel. So the number of the sons of Israel was intended to match the number of the families of the world. Genesis 10, 70 nations making up the families of the earth. In Genesis 46, 70 children of Jacob goes down into Egypt. Now that brings us to a very amazing verse. In Deuteronomy 32, verse 8, here is the verse that pulls it together. The Bible says, when the Most High gave to the nations their inheritance, when he separated the sons of men, he fixed the bounds of the people according to the numbers of the sons of Israel. So the boundaries of the peoples of the earth was defined in the Bible according to the number of the sons of Israel. Now there were 70 children of Israel. There were 70 nations. It meant that the number of the children of Israel somehow, in a meaningful way, matches the number for the nations of the earth. So here's the question. What is the reason for this number match? Why do we find the two coming together here? Why do we have this crossover in this verse? Look at Exodus 15, 27. Here we have the key. The Bible says, speaking of Israel, they came to Elam where there were 12 springs of water and 70 palm trees and they encamp there by the water. Now how many springs do we have in that verse? Count them. Twelve. How many palm trees grow up from the springs? 
Now, what's going on here? Why do we have these even numbers? Now, 12 is the number for the tribes of Israel. But 70 is the number for the nations of the world. You see, what the Bible is saying is this, is that somehow the 12 tribes of Israel represents 12 living springs of water that was meant to water the nations of the world. And from this living water that would arise within Israel, there would spring up righteous trees all over the world, symbolizing the people of the earth. In Psalms 1, a righteous man is like a tree planted by the rivers of water. And so the righteous among all the nations of the earth would find living water through the nation of Israel. And it's no accident in the New Testament that Jesus chose 12 apostles because they became the springs of living water for the proclamation of the gospel. So the 70th year is so important. In the 70th year, Abram is born. Terah has lived 70 years, worthless years, years devoted to the worship of the moon god Sin and various other things. And now there is a turning point in the history of the world. Abram's birth marks a new genesis. Look at Genesis eleven twenty-seven. Let's read down to verse 32 to catch the full context of Abram's call. The Bible says, Now these are the descendants of Terah. Terah was the father of Abram, Nahor, and Haran. And Haran was the father of Lot. Haran died before his father Terah in the land of his birth in Ur of the Chaldees. And Abram and Nahor took wives. The name of Abram's wife was Sarai, and the name of Nahor's wife, Milcah, the daughter of Haran, the father of Milcah and Issachah. Now Sarah was barren. She had no child. Terah took Abram his son, and Lot, the son of Haran, his grandson, and Sarai, his granddaughter-in-law, his son Abram's wife. And they went forth together from Ur of the Chaldeans to go into the land of Canaan. But when they came to Haran, they settled there. The days of Terah were 205 years, and Terah died in Haran. Now like Noah... Terah had three sons, Abram, Nahor, and Haran. Kind of like Shem, Ham, and Japheth. The second son's name, Nahor, comes from a Hebrew word that means to snort. Now imagine naming your child something like that. Snort. I mean, going to a baseball game, and here he is, you know, he hits a home run at Little League, and the ball goes over the fence, and his mommy stands up in the stands, go for it, snorter! I mean, it's a crazy kind of thing to name your child, but that's what he was named. This was before the days of cocaine addiction. The root for the word Nahor is used twice in the Bible to describe angry horses snorting. Job thirteen nineteen. Do you give this horse his might? Then verse 20, his majestic snorting is terrible. Same word, Nahor. Jeremiah eight sixteen. the snorting of their horses is heard from Dan. So wherever Nahor went, he was snorting like a horse. He was known as the snorter. Now, why is this significant? The very first person or being actually in the Bible to snort was the serpent at the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. In Genesis 3.1, we have a Hebrew word that's mostly untranslated. It's the word af, and it means nose. But it calls to mind doing this, kind of a snort, and it sounds like an af. He says, has God said you shall not eat of any tree of the garden? And so snorting belongs to the serpent. So not only is the goat the idea of the serpent, the snorter is the idea of the serpent as well. Nahor represents unrestrained anger and aggression in relationships. He is the snorter. In fact, the city of Nahor is a city in Assyria. 
Assyria is compared in Isaiah as a serpent with dragon's wings that attacks the land of promise. So Nahor had nothing good going for his life. His anger was out of control. He was under the control of the devil in every way. But he had one good thing actually going. It was his wife Milcah. And Milcah means queen. He had a queen in his life. And she was the daughter of Haran. Terah's third son was Haran. Now Haran's name is derived from the word for mountain. Haran represents righteousness by climbing up to God on your own mountain. I mean, universal to the religion of the ancient world was this fascination with mountains. Now, if you look in the word Haran, you'll see the H-A-R. That is the Hebrew word for mountain. Har Moed, mountain of the assembly. Har means mountain. Harmageddon in the book of Revelation, remember that? It means mountain of the assembly. It's simply a Greek version of Har Moed. So the N in Haran's name is a grammatical attachment. Haran is the mountain man. A mountain was the idea behind every temple in the land of Babylon. The Tower of Babel was nothing but a ziggurat, a copy of a mountain with a staircase. And they would climb up that staircase to the top of that mountain-like structure and they would sacrifice at the top of that altar, believing that somehow, if you can climb up to God, you can find God. And you always find Him at the top of a mountain. In the Bible, the God of Israel, dear heart, is not at the top of a mountain all the time. Even though he lives at the top of Mount Zion, God is in the business of leaving his holy mountain and coming down to find you. God is in the business of traversing the great distance between you and him to find you. And so the mountains in and of themselves are not that significant. The altar was built by the Hebrews on the top of a mound, a high place when they were in apostasy because they had rejected the notion that somehow God could reach out and find them. In Exodus 20, 24-26, the Bible says this, An altar of earth you shall make for me and sacrifice on it your burnt offerings and your peace offerings. And then he says, I shall cause my name to dwell there and I will come to you and bless you. The key phrase is, I will come to you and bless you. You don't have to figure out how to come to God. God will come to you. And then in verse 26, you shall not go up by steps to my altar that your nakedness be not exposed on it. God is saying is this, is that you cannot climb up to Him. You cannot get on that staircase, ascend the holy mountain, and find Him at the top. God has to come down the mountain to find you where you live in life. So Abram was the first son of Terah, and he lived among a group of people who worshipped mountains, or worshipped on mountains. As you remember, Shem was the firstborn son of three sons born to Noah. The Hebrew name Shem means name. He was the tenth born from the line of Adam after the fall. Like Shem, Abram was the first son in the tenth generation from Noah. Now that's no accident. The number ten is full of meaning in the Bible. It is the number for God's law. It is the number for the covenant. And so here is the man who will call upon the name of the Lord. Here is the man who will discover the meaning of God's law written by faith inside his heart. Here is the man who will leave the past to move into the future with God. In fact, in the Bible, Abram is the first man after the flood who calls on the name of the Lord. In Genesis 4.26, we know that when they called on the name of the Lord, the first time in the Bible it says their names were written in the book, And they began to live. 
Here is the first man after the flood who calls on the name of the Lord. Look at Genesis 12, verse 8. Thence he removed to the mountain on the east of Bethel and pitched his tent with Bethel on the west and Ai on the east. And there he built an altar to the Lord and called on the name of the Lord. Let me ask you a question. Have you called on the name of the Lord lately in your life or you just go through life doing nothing with God? Is God for you simply a distant deity that doesn't matter? Or is God for you the power that holds your life together, that gives you purpose for tomorrow and a focus in the future? We'll continue with today's Reaching Your Heart and Pastor Michael Oxentenko in just a moment. If you'd like to attend the worship service, I will have details on how you can do that here at the close of our broadcast today, so please stay tuned. You can always attend online at reachinghearts.org slash video. That's reachinghearts.org slash video. Many archived messages are available there for you, and you can attend the live service in a streaming format at that website, reachinghearts.org slash video. Today's broadcast is a part of the Genesis series, and you can find it online at reachingyourheart.com. That's reachingyourheart.com. Let's continue now. Here once again, Pastor Michael Oxentenko. Dear heart, if you feel lost, if you feel like God has let you down, it's your feelings, not God's truth, that you're addressing right there. The truth stands carved in the life of Abram. That God can find you in the worst kind of circumstances. That God can find you in a culture that worships the devil. And he can call you out of that by his grace, by his power, by his election, and bring you to the promised land. But you know, dear heart, he will not do that unless you do one simple thing in your life. You have to get on your knees. You have to beg God to come to you and call on the name of the Lord. Abram was the man who called on the name of the Lord. In the first four chapters of Genesis, the divine name Yahweh is used ten times because the name of the Lord and the law of the Lord are linked. The number ten in Deuteronomy 4.13 is the number for the Ten Commandments. The covenant name of God is Yahweh, the Lord, L-O-R-D, all capital letters. That's the name that Abram called on. Why? Because Abram wanted God's law, God's heart, God's name written in his life. When a person calls on God's name, they are calling on God to come and make a covenant with them so they can live. They are calling on God because they cannot find God on their own. They are calling on God because the only way up God's holy mountain is for God to come down and take you to himself. So Abram is the tenth generation from Noah and he calls on the name of the Lord. Look at Genesis 26 verse 5. Now, Abram had never seen the Ten Commandments in written form. He was not at Mount Sinai when God spoke the law, and yet the Bible says this of Abram. Abraham obeyed my voice. He kept my charge, my commandments, my statutes, and my laws. The man who did not have the law, but walked by faith, had the law written on his heart. And Moses, who had the law, it says in Numbers 15, he broke faith with God and he did not go to the promised land. The man who did not have the law and yet lived by faith lived in the promised land at peace with his enemies. Faith is the key that opens up the future for us all. 
Terah died in Haran in the land of the tower builders who tried to climb up God's holy mountain on their own. Terah, Abram's father, wanted to live in Canaan for all the wrong reasons. But after he died, after he was moved out of the way, the call comes to Abram from God to go to the promised land for all the right reasons. Look at Genesis 12, verse 1. Now the Lord said to Abram, Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. Have you heard the voice of God in your life saying, Get out of that environment that you're in. Stop associating with those friends that are affecting you negatively. Quit attending those kind of movies which affect your moral walk with God. Get out of this kind of reading because it drags you down spiritually. Quit playing with the world here and God there as if the two can get along and make a decisive stand for God right now. Have you heard the call of God in your life that way? Dear heart, if you have, then it's not unlike the call of Abram. Abram is defined by the call of God as the man who lives by faith, not by sight. The man who follows his conscience when God leads him instead of his reason and what he believes to be true just because he thinks it's so. The man who follows God with the ear and not the eye is the person of faith in the story. He's the opposite of the tower builders. The tower builders wanted to build a tower that everyone could see to unite the world. Abram was willing to follow a God he couldn't see to save the world. The tower builders wanted to settle down in a country they chose for themselves. Abram was willing to journey toward a country that he did not choose because God was leading him. The tower builders tried to climb to heaven to reach God and force God to give them a future and prevent a flood. But Abram simply listened to God's voice, obeyed and followed him with no fear of the future. The tower builders said, let us make for ourselves a city like let us make man in our own image. But not so with Abram. Abram lost himself. He heard the voice of God. And the key word in the call of Abram is the word I. And the I is not Abram, it's God. He heard the voice of God and the promise of God when God said, I will make of you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and him who curses you I will curse. And by you all the families of the earth shall bless themselves. So Abram went as the Lord had told him and Lot went with him. Dear heart, it's more important in life to go with God than to go on your own. It's more important in life to set out and hear the call that says, come and I will perform for you a future and a hope, rather than mapping it out on your own. I will is the promise of God. You know, the night I left Jeff on the bank of the river, we parted company, and I never looked back to him again as a friend. I left him behind in that city. I never looked back. I don't know what the future held for him, but I know what it held for me. The following day, the very next day, within 24 hours, I arrived at campus. I walked into the hospital room where my dying father was praying for me. And I was introduced to my father and a family that I didn't even know existed. A family that was waiting for me, that was praying for me on the other side of my decision. They had been instrumental in getting me into that academy. I didn't even know my dad was alive. Jeff never made it to a college. He never became a baseball player. He never became a writer. The last I heard of Jeff, he was hooked on drugs and in jail. And the day after I left my old friend for good, a door opened for me in my life that has meant everything to me since then. Dear heart, I am thankful that God led me out of the place I grew up in. And I am thankful He led me somewhere. I didn't have a clue where I was going. 
I found a father, I found a family, but more than this, I found a future and a God and a Savior because I heard the call. That was the Genesis journey for me. And I believe there's a Genesis journey for every single person here. If you're struggling with tomorrow, it's because you're not letting God lead you into tomorrow. If you're struggling with your future, it's because you have not surrendered to the God who holds your future. If you're struggling with the outcome of your life, it's because your life has not been fully placed in the hands of the one who holds your life in his hand with no fear. Dear heart, if you don't know the way, Jesus is the way for you. Christ is the key to the Genesis journey for you. It's time to let go and let God be God. When you hear his call, get out of her, the Chaldees. Stop playing religion and playing God at the same time. Let that religion, which is nothing but legalism or worldliness, go in your life and seize the cross and live. Hebrews 11:8. By faith, Abram obeyed when he was called to go out to a place which he was to receive as an inheritance. And he went out not knowing where he was to go. By faith, he sojourned in the land of promise, as in a foreign land, living in tents with Isaac and Jacob, heirs with him of the same promise. For he looked forward to the city, which has foundations, whose builder and maker is God. Dear heart, when God calls you to have a new beginning, He calls you. He calls you as if there's none other in the world. He calls you to leave something behind for good. You cannot start over with God without forsaking whatever it is that stands between you and the Genesis journey. Whatever it is, dear heart, let it go in the name of Jesus Christ. And start over with God today. Let it go. In Jesus' name, let it go. Well, that will complete the Genesis journey, part of the Genesis series, Today's Reaching Your Heart. You can visit us at the church for the worship service every Saturday at 11 o'clock. We'd love to have you there. That address is 6100 Brooklyn Bridge Road, Laurel, Maryland, 20707. 6100 Brooklyn Bridge Road, Laurel, Maryland, 20707. Or if you're more comfortable, you're certainly welcome to watch online at reachinghearts.org slash video. reachinghearts.org slash video. The live broadcast will be streaming and available for you on that website, reachinghearts.org slash video. Thanks for listening, and we do pray that God is reaching your heart.